A study in the Gospel of John designed to help us stay on track in the light. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. delighted to be with you today and welcome to another week of Abounding Grace online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Each day at this time, we join Pastor Ed Taylor and together study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. Today, Pastor Ed will be covering John chapter 8 and verses 17 through 22. Grab that Bible of yours and join us for part two of Stay on Track in the Light. He says in verse 18, I am the one who bears witness of my, well, excuse me, verse 17, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. And that's, if you're jotting down, Deuteronomy chapter 17, Deuteronomy chapter 19, that's where it says that. I'm the one who bears witness of myself, and my Father who sent me bears witness of me. So there are the two witnesses, the minimum of two witnesses that are necessary, he and the Father. And then they said to him, where is your father? Sounds like a very simple question, doesn't it? Where is your father? But don't forget, he's always being messed with and manipulated. And this is another example. This is, this is no where is your father. They, they know all about him. And remember, this is the, they've already done this previously. Because of his miraculous birth, there's always been this cloud hanging over him that he's illegitimate. And this is one of those statements, where is his father? Some commentators suggest that his father died young, and it was even a dig that he didn't have a dad that was still alive. Who knows? I, I, I tend to fall through what, what's more accurate in the sense that we know that he, he didn't have the kind of origins that all the other kids had. He was divinely uh, birthed in the womb of Mary. But he's digging. They're digging at him. Who's your father? Where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know, need, this is verse 19, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Calm, cool, and collected is what I see Jesus here. I don't know that you or I would be so calm uh, in this environment, or you and I would handle these difficulties so well, but I'm impressed, and, and I'm humbled, and I'm encouraged, because the root of his answer is really in the Word of God. And isn't that the safest place for you and I to be when we're being attacked or whatever might be going on in our lives? With the safest places, I know what the Bible says, and here's my witness, and here's the facts, and, and just moving on. Moving on as those that would want to listen will receive. So the people were listening on the light of the world, then the Pharisees start arguing with him. And there's always an arguer or two around. Now, in verse 20 is interesting. It says, These words, now we get, John's giving us a little bit of the location here. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. This, this was the area, the treasury, the, where he's at now, the treasury was the area commonly known as the court of the women. 
There was an outer court of the Gentiles around the, around the temple. Then the, the court of the women were in that area. And a woman was only allowed to pass through the court of the men in the various sections around the temple if they were carrying a sacrifice. But what's interesting, and John brings it out here for us, just so you can see it, what's interesting is this is also known as the area of the treasury. It was a place of giving. It was a place of celebration. It was a place of offering. It was a place where in that area there would be, I believe there were 13 offering boxes there that were shaped into the form of a horn. And and they would be there, the shape of a long elongated trumpet. And they would be there to receive the offerings uh, financially of the people that were come to worship. The idea was this, you were coming to the temple to worship, and part of your worship was giving of your offering. Not just your sacrifice, but your financial offering to support the Levites and to obey God and your tithe, the the giving there. This is where Jesus was, and he was there often. Now, this, there are many questions. We just had our Welcome to Calvary gathering last Sunday, and inevitably in that gathering, uh, the question is always asked, uh, and it was asked this way last week. uh, So when, Pastor, do you take the offering here in your church? Do you take it before the message or after the message? And, of course, the answer is we, we don't take a formal offering here. So it's neither. We don't take it before or after. And for 15 years, uh, for the life of our church, we haven't taken a formal offering. What a formal offering is, is usually in the last song of worship. That's how it was with the church I came from. During the last song, the ushers and the elders will come forward with bags. And during the worship time, they'll pass bags through the line, uh, through the different lines of chairs. And that's where you'll place your offering under the Lord. If you don't give online and you still write a check or you you just put it in the bag and then that offering uh, is then received by the church and put through the process and used for the glory of God. We don't do that here. Rather, you'll notice around the building, maybe you haven't noticed, but you'll notice around the building, even the, especially in the sanctuary, but all around the building, we have offering boxes, very much like the treasury here. And the expectation is very much the same. You're coming to worship God. You're, you're coming to be a part of the family of God. This is your home church. So the expectation is that you give and that your giving is unto the Lord. And if you've been around Calvary for long enough, this Calvary, you'll know that we take a low-key, balanced approach to giving. And we just expect you, I believe, that it's important for you to give unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It's a place of obedience. And if you think about it, you think about it of all the things that God has in our lives, you know what? Giving is a really easy one to obey. It's very easy. Now, I don't know why so many people have problems with it. I mean, I do in some respects because of our maturity level or we're dealing with greed or fear or whatever that might be. Or maybe in a previous church you got ripped off and you're like, I don't want to get ripped off again. All those things, they're still not reasons not to obey God. Because if you did get ripped off in another church, and and I'm sorry that you did, but if you, somebody took advantage of you, just understand this. Your giving was unto the Lord. You didn't get ripped off. And whoever took advantage of you, I would not want to be around them. uh, I don't even want to be near them in the judgment seat of God. I don't know how God, if he's just going to, I don't know what he's going to do. I just know I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there myself. I want to be a good steward. And I don't want to be around somebody that ripped you off. And so on behalf of the church at large, I'm sorry. It's just wrong. It's wrong that somebody would take your genuine sincerity and the heart of giving and then hurt you by that. But just remember, you gave unto the Lord, and God will deal with them, but also God's going to deal with you because of your obedience. So we follow the same pattern. There are boxes here. We encourage you to give unto the Lord. Uh, To not give unto the Lord is disobedience. 
It's pure and simple. And so we don't, we, we don't place a high, you know, priority on giving in the sense that, well, you know, some of you have been visiting for a while and now you're, you're kind of elbowing your husband or your wife and going, finally, here it comes. Pastor is going to tell us and he's going to beg us for our money. I knew it. This church was like any other church. I'm not going to beg you for your money. You're not giving to me, so I'm not going to beg you for it. I mean, if you want to give to me, my address is, but uh, you're not giving to me. This isn't, you know, we put something in the offering box. You're not giving to me or the pastor. You're giving to the Lord, so I'm not going to beg you. You know, there'll be times where somebody might call up, and I've had friends who this hasn't happened here. And as I, you know, if you ever did this, say, hey, you know what, pastor? I don't like your church, and I don't like you, and I want my offering back. You know, you were begging me for the offering, and now I want it back. I didn't beg you for nothing, and I'm not giving your offering back, you know, so... You gave unto the Lord. So, so your issue is not with me. I'm not, I, I know, and, and, and one of the reasons why it's set up here, it's, you know, not everything is some super spiritual decision. You know, when, this church exists before I got here. It was going on for a couple months before I got here. And when the Lord entrusted the care of the ministry here as the past senior pastor, uh, they, they, I, I was now responsible for everything. And I wonder, how do you guys do an offering? Well, there's a box in here. And I go, that's a great idea. We'll keep it. And that's it. We've had that way from when we were 30 people uh, to where it is right now. And I would say that God has been faithful. You are a part of a faithful, giving church. And if you don't give, you're disobedient. You lose out. You lose out. Because when you give, you, 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 you begin to learn when you're giving unto the Lord, Jesus, again, being on a prominent place teaching in the treasury, you begin to learn that God is faithful. And you can't outgive God. Everything you have belongs to him anyway. Like, what, what is it exactly? How did you get that money? Well, you know what? I worked really hard. How? Did God give you health to work hard? Yeah, maybe. Well, I just got a big promotion, double my salary. Well, how do you think God gave you favor with a promotion? Like, just behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit's leading you. Yeah, but Ed, you don't understand. I mean, I went to school. I got my master's. I got my doctorate. Fantastic. Where do you think you got the brains to do that? Well, you know, um, maybe God. Yeah, maybe God. So well, I have more money now than I did when I was younger. Well, why? Because God's trusting you with it. It all belongs to him. This is the way it's been since the very beginning. You know, Adam and Eve, everything that they had belonged to the Lord. They didn't walk through and go, you know what? This is God's garden, but this is my little private garden right here, you know. Uh, we planted this. You know, Adam, I watched him create this tree right here. This is our tree. All the other trees belong to God, but this is our tree. But a lot of times when it comes to giving, uh, when it comes to having, and I'm not even just talking about tithes and offerings. That's an easy one. You know, you can actually still give tithes and offerings and not have a heart to give. You can give it grudgingly. You can give it all upset. The Bible actually says, uh, if you give grudgingly and you don't give freely, don't give. And I agree with the Bible. If you don't want to give, don't give. That's between you and the Lord. But as a pastor, I'm going to warn you, um, that, that attitude is going to spill into other areas of your life. And, and if you aren't free with all that God has given you, you're going to learn that you're not going to have much. People that don't give always have money problems. They don't understand money. The first number, number one way to understand money is not to understand the economy. It's not to understand your 401k. It's not to understand how to buy insurance. All those things are important, but the number one thing to understand money is to understand it belongs to God. All of it. Not, not 10% or... All of it belongs to the Lord. Everything we do with our resources belongs to the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you. You know, you're a part of a church that's not going to place a lot of emphasis on it. You know, if the church, if you, everyone stopped giving, 
which would be pretty sad. We'd be a really unhealthy church if everyone stopped giving. But worst case scenario, if everyone stopped giving, Ed, what would you do? We'll sell the building. All the pastors will go get a job. Do you know we were all working when we started? We were all working. We all had, I had a really good job uh, when I came on staff. I was expecting to, I, I really thought I was going to work another seven years. You know why? Because I wanted to save. I was making good money, really good money. I wanted to save for the day when I wouldn't be making that kind of money again. I was in the corporate world doing well, and there was a lot of opportunity still for me. I mean, isn't that amazing? God's grace. I don't have no education or nothing, but God was allowing me to be a part of something. I mean, it was good. It was good. Nothing better than ministry, but that's where I was. We'll all just go get a job, and we'll go meet under a tree somewhere. Um, We'll need some people to hold things up for the snow and everything for us, but we'll meet under a tree, or we'll go meet in a school again. Like, we're not tied to any of this. We're not tied to, like, this building isn't church. You're the church. And so we are, we, we, you just got to realize you got to give. And, 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 and the reason being is not because we're suffering as a church. There's never been a day that a bill hasn't gone unpaid or anyone hasn't gotten their salary. Nothing like that. Not, only, not, not just that. If you're new to Calvary, you know, this building, it used to be dirt. There used to be dirt here. Well, there probably still is out there, but there, this used to be nothing bunch of weeds and trees all over. And I remember, you know, when we were meeting in the school, we were just so desperate. We got to get out of the school. We got to, Lord, would you please let us buy just a piece of dirt? And, and he did. And I remember having to sign the paperwork and, and just thinking, oh man, I think I just destroyed the church. It was so expensive. Like it was $800,000, $850,000 for a piece of dirt. That's pretty expensive dirt, if you ask me. I wish somebody would have given it to us. That's what we're praying right now. Lord, give us 20 acres that's what I'm praying for. Give it to us. That's a good price. <laughs> but I'm the kind of person, you know, does anybody worry? Do you guys have a tendency to worry here? Anybody worry? Any worriers here? You bunch of sinners, you worriers. <laughs> That's how I am. I'm a worrier. I, I'm getting better. I trust the Lord. But, and I was just so worried about what we were paying the school, which was a big chunk of change. And then now we're going to buy a, a Land and we can't even do anything with it. It's just sitting there, a big piece of dirt with a sign on it, and we're writing the check every week. And I'm like, Lord, what are we going to do? We could, there's no way we could. And then just piece by piece by piece, and then within within a couple years, then the Lord opened the door for us to build this box, and then we added another box to it, and then we added extra parking. And you got to understand, you're a part of a church. You're a part of a church where God has provided. So that I think within about eight years, you know, from the beginning back then, that, that we'll be completely debt-free for everything that's ever happened. Why? That's because of our faithful giving. Our faithful giving. I'm a part of this church, too. This is where I give my tithes and offerings. This is my church. This is where I give my tithes and offerings under the Lord. Uh, and this is where my family serves. This is where, this is my church. You know, like this is where my family's growing up. But here's the sad thing. When we announce that and we do a big mortgage burning thing. That's what I want to do. I've, I've suggested that I want to do a big mortgage, but they said that it'll set the fire alarms off or something. So we're going to have to figure out a way we can burn the mortgage. And like every service we'll have, an, I'm going to ask the banker to print us out three copies. And because uh, you remember you guys, when you guys were a little bit, you a little bit older folks, I don't want to name the age or anything, but you remember when you're buying your car and you had that payment booklet, remember it used to come be that thick. And then you made that last payment. Wasn't that amazing? They need to just jump around. Woo, we own the car. And then the very next day, the wheels fall off. And the, it's like, oh, I got to buy another one. But you don't have to do that anymore because it's all automatic. You know, just like our car payment gets taken right out now. You can't even write a check anymore. You're just taking money. Just I hear it. I feel it every month. 
Where are you going, Pastor? I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting that Jesus was at the treasury and, and we don't talk about, we don't teach much about giving, but you know the Bible does. I mean, we don't make it a big deal. You're not going to have a time where, and I come up, oh, the church is struggling, you know, you guys got to give. And you know what? If you don't want to give, it's between you and the Lord. That's, that means I'm not a good pastor. That means I'm not discipling you. That means I'm not teaching you what the word says. That means we're not holding you accountable to your fellowship family. Now, you know, very few people, only the accounting office really has access to giving. I don't know who gives, who does, who doesn't give. I don't know if you gave a million dollars. I wouldn't know who it is. I don't want to know who it is because I, I want to serve people the same. It doesn't matter if you give a penny or a million bucks. It's all to the Lord. It doesn't matter to me. However, I can say this. We do, know, we do know the temperature of the church, spiritually. And for the last 15 years, we just have a very faithful, you know, you're so faithful that we get to be a part of things that are just crazy and outrageous. We get to be a part of outrageous things. You, you guys have no idea how many churches you support. Just anonymously for pastors that I hear that are struggling or going through it or how, how many things that are happening just, just in encouraging missionaries and pastors. And, and then on, on another, on, on another um, you know, when we hear something that's going on in town here and, and some church is doing a better job of it than we are, then we want to be a part of that. So we just bless them. We encourage them. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. They're putting all the energy and effort into it, so we encourage them. And, and the, really the heart of giving, it, it's a heart matter because God isn't broke. Some preachers act like God is broke. God's not broke. He's not desperate for you to give. And, oh, if you don't give, the ministry will shut down. You know, whenever I hear pastors saying that, just shut it down. (laughs) Obviously, God's not in it. So just shut it down and go get a job. That's what you need to do. Stop taking advantage of people and trying to beg them. Don't, don't, there's no need for that. You know, I would say in some cases, a lack of giving is rough on your family. You know, God's not broke. You can't outgive God ever in your life. You know, sometimes people will find someone on the street and they'll bring them to church and say, hey, you guys need to help this guy. And my question is, but you're the church. Why don't you help him? Well, uh, well um, but it's a heart issue. It's like, hey, we'll help them. You're, they're in front of us. We're not just going to turn them away. But the reality is, is God put them in your life. So why don't you help them? Well, I didn't know I could. Well, this is how you can. You know, this is what you can do. You can, this is how you can serve them. And, and so God has been very faithful to us as a church. You've been very faithful in your giving. I believe the Lord um, honors that, blesses that. And Jesus is in this area of the treasury. And his final words in that area back in John now, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You'll seek me and will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? Uh, they, they refused to get it. They refused to get it. They refused to acknowledge this teaching. Jesus is talking about hell here. That's the gospel message. Do you know the gospel message is both heaven and hell? Both are needed. It's impossible to give the gospel message without warning someone about the reality of hell. Hell is real. It's an eternal place. Jesus says, there's going to be a time where you're going to really get it. You're going to seek me, but by then it's too late. You're going to die in your sin. And the penalty for sin is eternity apart from God. When you preach the gospel, you've got to preach both heaven and hell. They're both in, and I know they're heavy words. You go, wait a minute, hell? You still believe in a hell? Yes. Hasn't the world just minimized the devil, just made him a cartoon character? A little caricature, like the devil's not real. Listen, as real as God is, the devil is just as real. He was created by God. 
He, he rebelled against God. And he hates your guts. And they just, you know, they made the devil into a little car, cartoon character, you know, like Bugs Bunny. Um, now, I'm, I'm finding out that some of the little kids don't know about Bugs Bunny. You guys need to teach your kids about Bugs Bunny. <laughs> one of the things that, uh, one, of the, one of the cartoon parts of Bugs Bunny is, remember, he has a little angel on one side, a little devil on the other. Like, that's no big deal. Like, there's equality there. And there, it, it's, or, you know, in California, when we were in California, you could even buy your fireworks from the devil. Um, because they had a little red devil fireworks stand all over. And, you know, that makes sense, a devil selling fireworks, because he can also sell the lighter with it, too. <laughs> the devil's real. As much as God loves you, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. The devil just takes from you. He doesn't give. He's not a cartoon character. The reality of the devil in the demonic realm where Jesus is warning them, look, heaven is, in, in this little statement, you will die in your sin. Jesus is at the same time giving an opportunity for heaven and also warning about hell. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. He'll be right back with more. You can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. And look for his podcast, Lead to Serve, on Apple Podcasts. That's Lead, the number two, Serve. There he discusses the value of servant leadership. I should also mention Abounding Grace is available by podcast. Hey, thank you for remembering abounding grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Steve Carr's very popular book, Married and How to Stay That Way. I don't have to cite the stats on divorce to convince you it's a real and growing problem in our world. But God's Word has just what we need to succeed in this lifelong commitment of marriage. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or make a request online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. And if you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and you're not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And now to wrap things up, here again is Pastor Ed. I want to close with this one scripture. Would you turn over to Galatians chapter 5? Because as you do share, I know hell is an offensive message. Jesus came to rescue you from an eternity in hell. And I, I want to lay this thought before you just so you know that whenever you preach the cross of Jesus Christ, it's going to be offensive. It's not you should be offensive. It's not that you should be the offensive one, but the cross of Jesus Christ is offensive. Notice Galatians chapter 5, verse 11 with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. When you preach the gospel and people aren't offended, you haven't preached the gospel. Did you hear me? If you have preached the gospel and people haven't been offended by your words, you haven't truly preached the gospel. Because the cross of Jesus Christ is offensive. And it says here, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. There should be a sense, and it's going to come in a variety of different ways, but there should be a sense where somebody feels like, What? 
You're talking about my sin? I'm going to die in my sin? Do you know what kind of good person I am? I mean, the cross is offensive that through the death of one, your life can be saved. The cross, the offense of the, the, offense of the cross is telling somebody, I mean, somebody need, needed to tell me that I was in sin and then if I didn't change my life around, I would die in my sin. I needed to hear those words. I didn't want to hear those words, but I needed to hear them. And they only really confirmed what I was living out in my life practically. It was very clear that my life wasn't pleasing to God. It was very clear that I wasn't doing things in relationship to God. It was very clear anybody could look at my life and say, that guy doesn't follow God, and they'd be right. And it took a good friend of mine to come and look at me and say, this is your life, Ed. You're in sin. You're a sinner. You, you, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. We, we're all sinners. And the good news about that offensive word is that God... Because we're sinners, we need forgiveness. And our greatest need forgiveness was given to us by Jesus Christ. Because it's sin, it can be forgiven. And today, you too can experience the forgiveness of God. Just follow the model of Jesus. When you speak about heaven, which we need to, we can't speak enough about heaven. Don't forget when you're talking with people that, to remind them of the reality of hell as well. That not only is God saving you for heaven, but he's saving you from hell. God saves us for heaven and from hell. An important point there as we share the gospel with others. Come back tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor shows us we're set free by the Son of God. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.